0: What the lifters should do is they should lift the competitions that one are the best and to um, provide the best competition.
1: And when you have, you know, five red plates each side and it's you know it's and I get nervous lifting out and you got side spotters like that's exciting. Like that, yeah, that yeah, creates yeah. a buzz. And we say,
0: you know, you walk into our dream and you breathe the air and you get stronger. Because you're training around people that are way beyond what you're currently doing and you feed off that.
1: Hopefully. What are you weighing? You're 110 there, right? Oh uh, no, no! I mean, I was 100? going to compete at 90 at states. Really? Was, what are You yeah, weigh now? No, I'm thick at the minute. <laughs> <God> damn! <laughs> General population is your bread and butter, but that doesn't stop you from then showing them the benefits that strength training, powerlifting can have for them as well. That's you know? literally our philosophy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: literally yeah. our philosophy. You know, that's what happened to me when I first competed. Right? I competed and just put a huge smile on my face, and I walked away thinking I want to do that shit again. Yeah. So, and what we find is most people who do an novice comp, they normally come back.
1: Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the next episode of the Strength Institute podcast. Um, today, I've got Dan Rucci with me. Um, thanks for coming in. No worries, man. Thanks heaps. Uh, for those that uh, that don't know, Dan Rucci is uh, you know one of the owners of Rucci's Gym. Uh, I would say the biggest powerlifting gym probably in Australia, definitely in WA. It, it is the biggest powerlifting gym in Australia. I would probably say it's probably close to one of the biggest in the world.
0: It's it's pretty I mean, ginormous. Not that I've been to every powerlifting gym, but I haven't seen one bigger.
1: No. And, um, and Dan's also the uh, GPC uh, delegate for WA. Um, and they run uh, all the GPC competitions here, sanctioned competitions and novice comps out of their gym at Rucci's. Um And so, yeah, we're going to be talking about everything, pod, uh, everything our powerlifting today. Awesome. Um, I'm really My favourite topic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: um, First thing I'll say, Nev, is I really like your gym. Thank you. It's neat, tidy, and a lot of gym owners should come in here and have a look because I think they could learn a lot from your gym. We
1: try to run a tight ship when we can. Very, very good. Everything has its place. You can see that you haven't wasted space. Everything has – a reason everything know, has a reason yeah like I was yeah. saying before and, and Adrian will attest to this outside that if something doesn't get used for basically more than a week it gets get put up on marketplace a and we, we find something that gets used didn't use the leg press gone gone that's <laughs> it yeah no there's not enough space to uh we're running in a uh, the building's about 200 square meters gym floor about 140 so everything needs to get used um otherwise that's- it's out of here it's really nice, man. I yeah. mean that. Really, oh, really nice. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah. We appreciate it. And uh, you know, we're going to talk about how your gyms have grown over time as well. And sure. there be a bit of an aspiration for here too. Sure. Um, but I guess I just want to start right back at the start is uh, how did you first get into powerlifting?
0: Um, well, Paul and I sort of have a soccer background. So in our teens, we played a lot of soccer. And then what happened was I think Paul struggled with some injuries. And I think through that injury and sort of the rehabilitation protocol, we found strength training. And that would have been, I don't know, if I was to guess, maybe early 20s, maybe mid-20s, something like that. Um, we didn't get into powerlifting straight away. It was just general gym bro training, you know, training at Bayswater Waves, in a local gym. And then one day I uh, came across some newsletters from a, a friend now um, in in Melbourne, Marcos, who was the owner of PC HQ. Um, really liked his philosophies on training, and you know, just sort of build rapport with him over time. And then even he at the time was not. Um, running any powerlifting, although he had done some powerlifting in his past uh, or been involved in it. And then eventually sort of his gyms evolved to a point where they started competing in powerlifting and then eventually obviously um, evolving further from that, you know, running GPC and, and some big events. Um, and that's sort of how it started, man. Our first comp here in Perth was at the pit at Henry's gym in 2010, so bit of a senior when it comes to powerlifting, which yep. is crazy. <laughs> you say that was your first comp that you competed in? Yeah, so our first comp was uh, state titles here in 2010 from memory. Uh, look, man, I think there would have been, if I was to guess, maybe about 20 lifters, not very big. But, you know, powerlifting back then wasn't a huge uh, – wasn't as big as – not that it's huge now compared to other sports. It's still quite niche. But back then it was very, 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 very small, you know. Um, but, you know – it's come a long way since then. Obviously, it's come a long um, way, it, but um, that's sort of our, how it, it's just to shorten, <laughs> yeah. shorten the story. That's kind of how we got involved in powerlifting, and that was 2010. And then, um, yeah, and that's that's kind of how our powerlifting journey started. And then we just fell in love with it. And what we fell in love with about powerlifting was the fact that you know, is it, it's an individual sport, but you need a team around you to make shit happen, basically. You know, and we say this a lot. It's an um, it's a team sport played by individuals. Yep. So even you'll notice in the gym when you're training and the, t- the team's around, you know, this might be someone lifting but there's like three people spotting, you know, and helping. And that's what we loved about the sport is the camaraderie it built between people. And Paul and I really enjoyed – that part of the sport yeah that was probably what drew us in the most was seeing even at that comp how close-knit and how friendly and how supportive all the lifters were to each other yeah uh, and you don't get that in a lot of sports some sports are bitchy and look you still get it in powerlifting, obviously but for the most part the sport is quite inclusive and um yeah, that's that's probably what drew us to the sport to be honest yeah and it was also a way that we could vent or express strength right so you do all this training and there was a mechanism where we could express the strength that we have built up. So that was also probably a huge um, factor. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, I guess – my, my, my introduction to powerlifting actually started with, with Strongman, with Dan Macri. I was sitting at a uni, we're both doing our an exercise and sports science degree, and I heard this guy talking behind me asking um, someone you know, how much they lifted, and he was throwing out these numbers. I'm like, this guy's full of shit, they didn't know I was lifting that much weight. I turn around, and I see this mountain of a man, Dan Macri, right? I thought, <laughs> oh, maybe he is lifting this yeah, much weight. I went and introduced myself afterwards. I said, What's, I heard you talking about some of your squat numbers. He's like, yeah, no, I do powerlifting, but I'm a strongman. And he's like, you should come try it sometime. Just super friendly. Invited mm. me to his house. He used to train out of his garage at the time before training out of the pit. Mm. And um, and he got me into strongman. I guess it was a bit of a powerlifting base. We didn't bench, but it was a lot of deadlifting, a lot of squatting, um, which set me up and I did a bit of strongman and then and that, sort of, of, of fell course. in love with powerlifting after that. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's funny how, how you get sucked into it. It's just so right. different it's, from your normal gym training.
0: I, that's a perfect example. You know, Dan could have just flicked you away, you know, but he invited you in. And that's yeah. how the sport grows. It's yeah. by just – Really good communities of people. Yeah, you know? and it doesn't matter which gym you go to; they've all got their own community. You know, so yeah, that, that's
1: exactly why we fell in love with the sport of powerlifting. Yeah, you know? fair and enough. Exact example. Yeah, yeah. And um and, and then so what was you obviously you're falling in love with powerlifting. You started competing. You're training it. Um, what was the first step into opening up your own gym? And and it actually has gone through several renditions as well because it started <laughs> as a question. PTC Perth and now it's evolved into Ruchi's gym. Yeah, you uh, know? look.
0: To be honest, we live north of the river. And um, look, I've always worked for myself, had multiple businesses, you know, Have had some failures, had some success, like any sort of uh, business owner. (coughs) Um, We always promised ourselves we would never have a brick and mortar business. So we always did a lot of online stuff, you know, flexibility and all that type of thing made it appealing. Um, And then in 20, sort of 2010, we started competing and then over the next couple of years, you know, continued our training. I think we had a slight break for a little while. Um, and then we came back to where obviously I'd been speaking to Marcos quite a bit and I know that he was looking to open up um, some PTC gyms in various cities and I think at the time Scott had opened up PTC Brisbane um, and then Paul and I just decided that one day it was our turn and we decided to open up PTC Perth. Look, in in, in honesty, like um, if we had lived closer to the Muscle Pit, we probably just would have trained there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As it worked out, obviously, it was a little bit too far from us and there was sort of nothing north of the river and being the types of guys that we are, figured that we'd have a go. Um, And so, yeah, PTC Perth was born. So we opened in June 2012. So next June it will be 10 years. Wow. So, yeah, it goes very, very quickly. Obviously, there's a bit more to the whole story but essentially that's basically what happened. Um, At the time, I was working with Paul um, doing some control stuff um, and I've always had a problem with authority. So I never liked having a boss. So and that was we we just opened our gym. It would have been like literally June or July. Gym was going well. Um, and so Paul and I were still working full time at the time. What were we you doing what were you doing full time? Um, I was doing some control systems work with Paul so I okay. am we doing some work and some mind sites and stuff. Oh, nice. um, I had a little bit of a falling out with the boss. Um, and then I just one day just walked out on him and th- thought fuck it, I'm going to I'm going to go 100% at the gym. This is what I want to do. Um, and that's Pretty much the story of my life man i make a decision i just go i literally just walked out you know i didn't go into work thinking i'm going to resign i just it happened in like two seconds yeah um and then i said to myself like you know if we're going to try and make something of this gym then we have to be full-time and i you know that's just some also some advice for anyone out there who wants to become a personal trainer or wants to do anything in life right there's no way you can be successful unless you're 100 in
1: yeah if you've got a fallback plan you'll never be successful no. Even just uh, not diving in 100%, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, When I was uh, was joking around earlier, this is my version two. My version one was at my parents' house, about 25 Mm -hmm. square meters of gym space Mm -hmm. and a little addition to the side of the house. And I was finishing off my uni at the time. I was working from there part-time. I was playing rugby. And I did that for about a year, year and a half. And I realized, you know, if I really want to build this, you know, I finished off the uni degree. Yeah. I've got to stop playing rugby as well because I can't risk getting injured. I Can't risk, you know, yeah. breaking a leg and not being able to train people. And and when I stopped doing that and focused on 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 just building clientele and training people, was able to get the clientele base up to the point where I could move into this place. So it really, is you have to dive into things 100. percent
0: Look, man, any business is like a baby; it needs to be nurtured, right? Um, if you don't spend the appropriate time, it won't it won't uh, yield the result. Man, it's that simple. It's man, it's like anyone in powerlifting. If you don't train, put apply yourself you're not going to get the result. It's yeah. the same principle, right? Um, so, yeah, look, that was our f- f- our first gym was uh, June 2012. It was 170 square metres of pure bliss, very much similar to your gym, pretty much all free weight, no machines. You didn't have space for machines, right? Um, you know, heaps of kettlebells, all that type of thing. And then after sort of 12 months, we sort of outgrew that. We got to the point of that gym where people were literally waiting outside to come into the gym to train because we had an open gym membership, A bit different from your gym, right?
1: So was it 24-hour people could scan themselves in? Uh, yes,
0: we did have 24 hours sort of to, I think in the last sort of six months, yeah. um, which was obviously very handy.
1: But it got it got
0: ridiculous. Like there was literally people waiting outside. To, it was crazy. So it was obviously time to make a, a move. So then we moved to our second version of the gym, um, which was from memory around 350 or 400 square metres. We had a nice 100-square-metre mezzanine with office space, um, eventually which all well, the hammer strength gear went into And then I think the gym floor space, I don't know, it was around 300-ish, which, to be honest, is a perfect size. And like I said to you before, I think would be the perfect size for your gym when you want to scale up. Um, Obviously, in that time, we started running comps. Uh, I think I took over the GPC here in Perth uh, in 2013. So, you know, we've been running the GPC now for eight years. In that time, the sports just exploded, you know. And I I like to think that we've played a role in that as well. Um, Look, you know... If you look at powerlifting, at the history of powerlifting, and especially powerlifting gyms, they don't—they don't—they're not really, um, you know, they're always tapped onto a commercial gym or in someone's garage, or it's like fifty square meters and there's shit everywhere. It's—it's it's not really family friendly. It's not really appealing to the majority, right? Right. Um, it was a very hardcore underground type of sport, and to be honest, there are some of the things that we loved about powerlifting. But our, I guess, our vision was to try and couple that philosophy with um, trying to modernise powerlifting much like you see like a college gym in the US. You know, you go to the US, those college gyms or even NFL gyms, they're clean, they're professional, they're modern. We wanted to sort of combine that modern approach to a gymnasium to sort of that hardcore Mentality that powerlifting has, and so that's kind of the direction that we took with our gym, um, and that's why today you have the facility that we have. You know, it's it's like yours; it's clean and tidy, everything's got its place, but it still has those, you know, the, the powerlifting background and the, I guess the hardcore nature of the sport um, as much as possible. You know, obviously you lose a little bit of that because you're trying to like soften it up a bit to to, to um, so it appeals to a broader audience, right? And that's the only way to grow the sport. Yeah, you know, to build a huge base of people that are interested in the sport that want to opt in, you know, long term. Um, and in doing so, you you know, you now have comps that sell out, you know. Yeah. I think the no- the November Novice comp sold out in 48 hours.
1: Is it a mega comp or is it a one day? No, nah, it's one day. One day?
0: So I think last year's sixty around, lifters? two days. So there's 70 registered. 70, so we wow. take 70. Um, and then, you know, our GPC meets, our APL meets, you know, they for the most part they sell out or close to. Um, I do think that the introduction of the APL – I guess, which we're going to touch on a bit later, has thinned out GPC slightly because a lot of lifters who are lifted in the GPC have branched out into the APL, which is drug, we run the drug tested division. So there's a lot of lifters that would like to um, lift at our gym, but lift in drug tested. Um, so that's, I, I think, why the GPC numbers have thinned out a little bit. Not that we're worried about it because, at the end of the
1: day, I think oh. there's still potential to grow. Both federations, and I think having both um, serves a purpose. Yeah, um, and you might see that on the on the computer on the statistics, but really, if you go into a comp, you're not seeing that. You're seeing a quite a busy day, lots of lifters. Oh, they're still busy. I mean, man. it's not yeah. yeah, it's not like it's it's getting quieter or anything like that. Uh,
0: look, I think uh, this weekend at Perth Cup, we have uh, from memory somewhere I think close to eighty lifters. Uh, we've got three flights a day. Normally, we'd run four, so it is down a little bit. Normally, we have about a hundred, but again, I think that's just due to like for example, also the invitational coming up. And that's taken maybe 10 lifters away that wouldn't have normally lifted in Perth Cup. I do think that the APL has also taken a few lifters away that would normally lift in the GPC. Um, but that's okay, you know, because it means that there's room in those comps now where we have room for growth. Yeah. If we keep selling our GPC meets, there's no room for growth. We can't grow. So I think it's a good thing that we're not selling out those meets at the moment. Um, it's just spread out over a couple of federations, um, yeah, which is which is a good thing, yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're talking about sort of, you know, room for growth and, and the competitions that you're running. And you've mentioned a few different federations as well, like the APL. APL, GPC, um, but basically how many comps are you running out of Ruchi's Gym in a year and can you sort of break down, you know, the different federations because then you have novice comps which are unsanctioned, yeah, sure. GPC, APL.
0: So we we sort of run anywhere between, this is quite arbitrary, I don't know, I think around 10, 8 to, 8 to 12 comps a year. I don't think I've ever run 12 but around 10, I can't remember how many we run this year and it kind of depends on what's going on. Like if I'm running in, like this year, I'm running the Invitational, you know, in some years we've run national events. Like We've got uh, GPC Nationals next year. So it kind of depends on what's going on. Um, we run four novice comps a year. So we have comps that help build base. You know, So we have the novice comps which sort of bring down the barrier to entry for new lifters to come in, experience what powerlifting is. Um, we try and make sure that they have a fantastic experience and hopefully they opt into the sport. A lot longer, full-time, and, and then and, they would choose federation. Yeah.
1: And that's that's so important as well because you're saying it's breaking down the barriers to entry because – and what we found here, we're not you know a powerlifting gym. We're mm-hmm. a personal training and strength conditioning studio that have powerlifters that train here, and we love the powerlifting. We're trying to grow that community here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we're starting to get more powerlifting-specific equipment. But we have a few sort of big lifters, and then all of a sudden you're seeing – people that are just doing you know general strength training but watching and then they're like looking a little interested so what's this all about we say hey let's mm-hmm. let's get you into it you know we'll start training you up a little bit they're like oh, i don't want to compete i don't know how many times i've heard oh, i don't i <laughs> don't want to compete all the time and then all of those people have ended up competing and all of them yep. have started at a novice comp at Ruchi's yeah. gym right and that's so important because they like oh, i don't want to get into it you don't have to wear this the soft suit at, a, right. at a novice comp oh, i'm worried about this hey it's a novice comp these are people that have maybe competed once maybe never before they're the same, you same know? as you they're the same as you they
0: no experience no, just as, nervous as you you that have the same yeah they're just exactly the same as you right. right and so when you get a whole bunch of people together that um are coming are trying a sport that you know makes them feel like that nervous and especially doing it at our venue um where you know it's it's big it's you know it's, it's just like a full-on thing right um yeah it's it's actually cool I, to be honest i actually really like the novice comps because you know they just seem a little bit more subdued in a way but there's that nervous tension. Um, Whereas, you know, when you obviously start getting into the other meets, your GPC meets especially, things are a lot more serious, you know. So it's just a bit more tense. Um, obviously, that's fantastic as well because, that's you know, people are in the element. Um, you know, we have our elite lifters. It's great. Obviously, it's just a different thing. But the novice comps are great because, you know, you're just seeing the general person come in, having a go in their shorts and T-shirt um, and then they walk off the platform with a huge smile and it puts a smile on my face, right? Because, you know, that's what happened to me when I first competed, right? I competed and... Just put a huge smile on my face and I walked away thinking, I want to do that shit again. Yeah. So – and what we find is most people who do a novice comp, they normally come back. Um, very rarely do we see someone compete and not come back eventually um, and that's just because they have a great time and, you know, things are run well, it's it, it's it's uh, orchestrated in a way that makes it fun for them um, and I think that's the, mo- the most important thing about trying to develop the sport from a grassroots perspective is making it fun and, um, There are lots of people running kind of little small novice comps and stuff, which is cool. Um, I think it's better if people came to our gym to do them because then they get a real sense of what powerlifting is and not sort of in a gym that's just been slapped together with a bit of equipment Um, because they get a better feel for what powerlifting is going to be for them in the future if they decide to opt into a, a federation. That's just my feel. Obviously I'm going to be biased but that's just how I feel about it. Um, yeah, novice, so we have novice comps, and then we have sanction competition. You know, so those those competitions are basically sanctioned by a governing body. So we are. Uh, I'm the delegate for the GPC here in WA, and Paul's the local contact. I guess he's the delegate for the APL here in WA, and together we run. You know, a non a non drug tested federation, which is the GPC, and then we run a drug tested federation, or we run the drug tested division of the APL here in WA. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, and those. And to be honest, the barrier to entry is still quite low. The only thing you've got to have is the membership to the Federation and you've got to wear a soft suit. And some of the equipment, uh, you know, for example, in the novice comps we let people use whatever belt they want. When you step that up to sanction competition, there's certain restrictions on equipment. You know, you can't have Velcro and padding and stuff in your belt. You know, So there's a few things that change but still the barrier isn't that high, especially if you've decided this is what you want to do. And so what we found is people actually are more – uh, take this step from novice to um, sanctioned quite easily, you know, yeah. Which is cool, and also they're coming into a competition that's more serious. You know, they, you know they've done well at a novice comp. They might have done three novice comps, you know, and they've sort of built some strength up. Then they decide to take the step to sanction competition. Now, obviously, there's progression to the sport, right? You know, there's novice comps, there's local sanctioned competition, and then there's your nationals, there's world championships, there's invite only, there's all sorts of stuff, right? So, you know, we like to take lifters through the lifetime or, and progress them through the sport much the same as any sort of coach would. Obviously you want to see your lifters do the best they can, so naturally it makes sense to try and progress them through the different levels. And we run, you know, local comps and then we also run national events uh, occasionally. So we've run um, Teen Juniors, Masters for the GPC in 2018. 2019 Paul run the APU Classic Nationals, uh, which was huge. And then next year we have... GPC Open Nationals in September, which is going to be… That's
1: going to be really exciting. Which
0: is going to be a great meet. Yeah. Later on this year in October, we have um, the GPC WA Invitational, which is basically an invite-only meet, uh, 15 men and 15 women head-to-head, and it's all done on formula. We have to do it on formula. There's no really other way to do it. Um, We wanted to do something a little bit different for this one. Most invite meets use some sort of weight class system, you know, total biggest total in each weight class wins we wanted to keep the comp smaller because the problem is even if you look at pro raw, you go to four weight classes you still have to have like 60 lifters right which sometimes can be really hard to fill, especially in the um with the world what's going on you know with the, la- the landscape at the moment with covid so we wanted to run something a little bit different 15 men 15 women um winner
1: on gloss easy Super easy. Mm. Clean cut. That's going to be really exciting as well. We want to touch a bit more on that now. Um, so the GPC Invitational, is this the first of its kind in, in WA at least? I haven't...
0: Yeah, so yeah. the GPC itself here in Australia has never run any sort of Invitational or um, prize money meet like this. So it's the first of its kind for GPC Australia. It's without trying to, without being 100% certain, I'm pretty sure it's the only sort of comp of its kind in WA. Um, you know, so, you know, we've got... Pretty much, fifteen men, fifteen women. Uh, we've raised twelve and a half thousand dollars in prize money, which is fantastic. Um, there'll be f- basically five thousand for the men, five thousand for the women. You know, equal split. Um, and then we've got two and a half thousand dollars in like some other special awards that people wanted to do. So it should be good. I think the winner, the male and female winner, gets three thousand, and then it's fifteen hundred second, 3rd And there's also some custom trophies being made as well for the uh, for the top three. But um, look, man, I think it's going to be a great meet. Yeah, I really think it will be. And it's something that we will run biannually, so every two years. <laughs> Um, I think every year just gets a bit much, you know. Especially there's a lot of demand on, on, you know, trying to get sponsorship money to try and have prize money. I think every two years makes a bit more sense. It also means every second year it opens us up to run a nationals or something else.
1: Right? Yeah. You, well, every yeah. second year you're, you're creating more demand for it. Do you know what I mean? If yeah. it's every year, maybe not the demand for it, like you're saying, raising money <laughs> can be a little hard. Also, you might take away from your states or nationals as people are only training for the invitation. Exactly. You're not going to so. get the best lifters lifting it. You know, other so events.
0: I think every two years kind of makes sense. Um, Look, this year what happened was I set my date, October 31st and then like pretty much I've done all my publicity. I've pretty much organised everything and then um, it was announced that pro-roll was going to be the week after. I'm like, shit. Yeah, obviously it wasn't planned. It wasn't on purpose. There wasn't much I could do about it but it was too, too late to change the date and there wasn't really anywhere else to put it. Um, so I figured I'm going to go ahead with it. I only need 15 men and 15 women anyway. In the end, unfortunately, pro-roll I think has been cancelled because Tony Doherty's cancelled or postponed the show until next year that doesn't change much for us anyway because I pretty much had locked in my uh, my lifters, so yeah. I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. some lifters did decide to um, lift in pro or not um, invitation, which is okay. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy either way as, as long as people are lifting, man. That's all that matters. Right.
1: How are you finding, um, especially with over the last month with victoria and new south wales really having a lot of outbreaks and having to lock down parts of the state um i mean obviously you're worried that they're not going not to be able to make it over No, it's a little bit of time still yeah
0: i mean i'm just looking at the list here now i mean if you look at there's one two three four five six seven eight so there's eight lifters in the invitational who are coming from um over east um there's but the mainly Queensland, to be honest. So I'm not sure what the border restrictions are going to be like for Queensland. We do have Laura Scrooge coming from New South Wales. So that's potentially going to be an issue. She is still training, but I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get Laura here. It is what it is. There's not really much we can do about it. We do have lifters sort of on the wait list. So if someone pulls out, we can backfill with another lifter. Um, So, yeah, look – we can only do what we can do. Yeah. Either way, even if we end up with ten men and ten women because we've had we've had um, pullouts and we haven't been able to backfill them, it's still going to be a great meet. I mean, if you look at the lineup, even from just the WA lifters, it's 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 stacked exceptional. Yeah. So either way, it's going to be a great meet. Yeah. You know. Um, and look, in two years, hopefully, all this COVID stuff starts to diminish a bit, and they start to open the borders and allow people to travel, uh, and then we should see this list um, be a bit a uh, bit more juicier. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How have you found um, demographic wise, guys versus ladies jumping into powerlifting? Because obviously, I think originally you would have seen a lot more guys in the sport, yeah, oh but man. in recent years, yeah. um, the ladies are crushing it. And mm. I remember looking at—I uh, was coaching. I was going to be competing at GPC States, got an injury, had to pull out. So just coached on the weekend. We had the same problem. Same problem. Faster <laughs> joints in the lower back. Well, no, I had my—we my, oh, both got injured. though. Yes, yeah. So I tore a calf. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and one of my uh, um, you know. Clients here, megan she she did really well she came um yeah third, yeah third in the uh in the 82 and a half kilo ladies and that division was just stacked i mean, I mean you got jessica day think about you it. got cat you got megan they're all totaling over 500 like megan kilos
0: finishing bronze and she's strong she's outrageous that's scary man yeah you know and then, and we know that megan isn't um primarily primarily a powerlifting um, yeah athlete powerlifting is like her side piece yeah you know? even with the <laughs> invitational because she's doing invitational yeah uh she had a bit of a joke around so i can't remember what she said but like you know don't you know how I'm doing the
1: verses. you know, just for Yeah, fun.
0: yeah, yeah. Don't put me on one of those verses things because, you know, I'm not a power lifter. I'm like,
1: hey, I can't <laughs> promise you. You might be on there. Yeah, yeah. So You should put her on. Just force her hand a little bit, you but know. I'm going to
0: try and go down the listing, try and get everyone on because I want to introduce all the lifters. Yeah, of course. You know? um, but, yeah, she's funny. She's a good lifter. Very. Yeah.
1: yeah. And those are the two girls, Jessica Day and um, Kat, they both competing in the Invitational? Yes. Ah, right. Yeah. This is good. This is good. Yeah. She's um, Megan's actually going to be trying to break Cat's deadlift record in Static Monsters coming up as well, which is yep. I believe the week after Invitational's. Yeah. Um, one or before. So cool. it's um yeah it's good 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 to see.
0: No, no, Megan's great, and I'm glad that she's lifting because she is a good lifter, and she definitely deserves to be
1: there as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She's the only one from your gym competing. Uh, invitational's, yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yep. Cool.
1: She's the only one from here competing. Awesome. Yeah. 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 No, we'll, we'll be there supporting it. Yeah, it's and, gonna and be good me. So I
0: think between now and the end of the year, we have Perth Cup this weekend. Uh, we have invitational, or sorry, we have APL, um, an APL classic. i what's called an APL meet. I think towards the end of September, then we have uh, October um, 31st, invitational, and November novice comp. And then this year's GPC push Pool is going to be held. I have to double check with him, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be going ahead um, by Brad at Dungeon Powerlifting in Bunbury. Okay, yeah. Um, so what we've tried to do this year is give it, try and grow sport more broadly because obviously if we're running all the gpc meets here locally it's hard for regional areas to get involved sometimes so cat becker ran um we call it the gpc winter classic it's basically a a teen juniors masters event um and that actually was quite successful she did a great job and then brad's going to be running the push pull and that's going to happen again next year as well oh nice and the idea behind that is again to you know allow brad and cat to run a meet Make a bit of money from the uh, entry fees, not a huge amount, you know, something. You know, I want them to grow and prosper, uh, and the only way to do that is to try and, um, you know, improve your bottom line. So it helps them grow their gyms, and also helps them attract people to the sport and those federations in that in those areas, which is really important. Because yeah. what happens is, you know, people will do um, the teen juniors, uh, masters at cats. They'll do the push pull in uh, in Bumbury What happens then? Then they're looking for powerlifting. Then they find. Yeah. States, they find Perth Cup, you know, so it helps sort of attract people to the bigger meets um, through those, I guess, satellite gyms, which is really important.
1: Yeah. I think, um, and Brad's gym does great down down south in a Dungeon Powerlifting. Um, yeah. They came second um, overall at, at GPC States um, yeah. on points there. He's
0: actually moved again. He's moved again? Yeah. So <laughs> I can't keep – he's had
1: like eight gyms, this guy.
0: Yeah, right. I don't know what happened, but yeah. – um, yeah, he um, was close for a week. But yeah, no, J- uh, Brad's always had quite a strong team.
1: Let's see. I mean, he's obviously doing the right thing down there. People are gravitating to him. He's the sort of palatine gym down south, which yeah, is I mean, great. I
0: think in his area, I don't think there's much. No. So um, uh, Brad does a great job, yeah. Yeah. He does a really good job. So I'm not sure how he's going to go next year. I'm not sure how any of us are going to go next year. But it was really cool this year because the gap was uh, – the gap between sort of us and even Brad was a bit closer um i think the year before was like crazy right was blown out
1: at states
0: yeah yeah um you know how we have this the team trophy yeah now the team trophy, the team trophy but is like it's a bit embarrassing for me because like i have to give myself the trophy um it wasn't there to give myself a trophy right it was there because i think what the team structure does it helps bring the teams together because you know you're at the back and you can see the team tallies you know you you know, Nev, you can get your team together and go like, yeah, we're third when, you know, if you finish goal, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it just creates a, a dynamic that it, I, I think helps facilitate a better environment for each individual team. And then even the camaraderie and, you know, the, the banter between the well, teams look, as well.
1: I, I, It's a thing. And I know we were aware of it too because I think, you know, that was the goal was to get a, we wanted to get a, you know, we're newer to the powerlifting scene. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have a big presence at, at States. I think we were going to have nine lifters the plus. We had eight lifters, I coached in the day. Um, we ended up coming third on the day on the on the team trophy points. Right, and um, and it was fun because uh, AJ from Smith's Fitness, um, we actually grew up playing rugby together since under thirteens or fourteens yeah, right. against each other, I should say, yeah. and um, and on the same st- rep teams. Um, but he's always been like one year ahead of me like he opened his gym like a year before me right. like he upscaled the year before me he just is like this yeah, bit yeah, yeah. and I was like I gotta get ahead of him somewhere you know we, we just got pipped him <laughs> so at the know, AJ also has a nice uh, a nice little team down
0: there and he's got Troy there um, who who specializes in powerlifting I, I coached Troy for a few years so you know he's he knows his shit he's, he's good and I think they've got a, a nice community down there absolutely Um, and, and so his team always does well as well I mean if you speak to AJ he'll say well they're not like a specialty powerlifting gym and that's I completely get that they've got two mono lifts so they're, 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 they do a fair bit of powerlifting you know, out of it. I mean, you know, it's it's good. Yeah. Um look, to be honest, man, even even with our gym, I wouldn't I wouldn't say we're a hundred percent powerlifting. We can't be. You know, we we do heaps of general work with general population, personal training, nutrition, all sorts of stuff. So I, I think in order for gyms like ours to survive, who I guess at face value look like a hundred percent powerlifting gym, you need to be able to branch out and, and, and sort of work in with those other populations, yeah, um, you know, because let's be real, they pay the bills.
1: That's what we—that's um, what we say—is is that general population is your bread and butter. But yeah. that doesn't stop you from then showing them the benefits that strength training, powerlifting can have for them as well. That's you know? literally our philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Literally our philosophy. So, and that works quite well. You know, we have a semi private model. I think you've got a, Do you have a semi private model here or is it always all one on
1: so, one? So, we have one on ones and we do have a membership base, but to get the membership, people have to do at least one coaching session a week. Yeah. And then all of our uh, memberships include sort of the programming. So, we do all the programming for everyone as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool.
0: So, but we actually have a semi private um, model uh, and we're also one on one personal training. So, depending on, you know, suitability and budget and all that type of thing um you know we can filter people into different services based on um, their individual needs which is cool and obviously we've got the gym so big that we can have lots of different things sort of running at one time as well which is handy um but you, you need to and and also to be honest sometimes i find working with general population brings a sense of a reward that um is kind of absent sometimes in powerlifting because you know i work with an elite lifter he's elite he's strong if i get him from a 300 kilo squat to 320 it's awesome but like you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, if I get someone who walks in who can't squat, who can barely walk properly, yeah. can't squat properly, and then in a year you get them squatting 100 kilos, that to me is a massive achievement. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes there's more reward in helping the general person perform simple shit. Yeah. Um, which to them is not so simple. Um, and I think there's you know you're literally improving someone's life. You know. they you know so I, I think sometimes there's a lot of reward in that. Yeah. Um, and it's huge, as, I'm, hugely I'm, rewarding. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, right? Yeah. And I, I think. Like you said, it is your bread and butter. Um, but I, I even think just for the heart, you know, because um, I think that's why we all got into health and fitness, just to help people. Yeah. Um, and with powerlifting, like, it's a sport. Like, we're not – I'm not making someone's life better from getting from a 300-kilo squat to 350. Right. In fact, it's probably life's going to be worse. <laughs> it's yeah. probably going to be – Always sore and cranky. <laughs> <heart. laughs> like, obviously, we're talking about – powerlifting as a sport is extreme, right? Yeah. We're not talking about health and fitness anymore. But just for general health and fitness, I think, you know – uh, I think that's where why most of us got into this, right? Is to help, actually help people, yeah. Um, and so I think most of us will find our roots there, to be honest. And yeah. I think powerlifting uh, um, is a passion; it's a, it's a love thing. We do it for the love. Um, I know that's definitely the case with Paul and I. Um, you know, yeah, and it's a lot been a long time now.
1: Yeah. Mm. Do you recall what your first total was at your very first competition? Oh man. Or roughly the numbers that you. Uh, it would have been. In? I think. I think it was four twenty. Okay. I
0: think it was four twenty. I think I squatted one fifty or one sixty. I benched one twenty. I deadlifted one sixty or something like that. Yeah. I can't
1: remember something like that. Um, yeah. Wow. Well. So you've gone 100% in your squat then because you are a 300-kilo squatter for those that, are, that, that aren't aware, which is um pretty Well, I don't milestone. know if I squat
0: 300 right now, but, but you have I was done hoping a to squat 300 yeah. states. I yeah. mean, when I tore my calf, I squatted 250 for three. Yeah. I probably had two reps in reserve, maybe three. Um, you know, So I was, you know, that puts me around the 290 on a good day, maybe 300. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't meant to be. So hopefully next year I can get back to the platform. And I, I would love to put up 300 as a master. So obviously when I squatted my 300, I was 38. I'm going to be 43 next month. So... Um, I was hoping to do that this year. Unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be, but hopefully next year. I'd love to squat 300 as a master. I want to total 700 as a master.
1: So, you know. Well, I was going to ask you sort of what, what are your personal goals in powerlifting? You want to total 700 as a, as a master? as the main one?
0: Oh, look. You know, I'd love to squat 300 as a master. Um, bench 180, which I'm not that far off. Um, and then, you know. My deadlift's always been shit. Not shit, but to be honest, deadlifting for Paul and liars, not, never, it's not doesn't feel natural for Paul and Lai. So yeah. when we first started lifting, it wasn't a lift that we – spent a lot of time on, you know, we'd deadlift once a week but we'd squat three times a week, you know. Right. Um, so for Paul and I, it just wasn't a lift that, we just didn't feel it. Yeah. And so in, in saying that though, lately, especially in the last year, I've tried to spend a lot more time deadlifting and then trying to improve my deadlift and it, it actually feels like it's moving what a comfortable. My best deadlift 260. It's not shit but, you know, yeah. Um, 300 kilo squat, 260 deadlift. You know, and it's not like I'm a 140 kilo guy. Right. Um, You know, I'm a lightweight, really. So, really, my deadlift should be right up there. Yeah. Um, You know, but hopefully – I'd like to get my deadlift to about 272. Yeah. To that sort of 600-pound mark. Look, ideal. If I could go 300, 180, 272, I would love that.
1: Yeah. But – yeah, yeah, oh, I feel your pain, but uh, my 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 kryptonite is the bench. I tell you what, like my my squat and deadlift are the same. Not right now because I'm still recovering. But uh, two seventy squat, uh, squat and a two seventy deadlift in the same sort of calendar year, bench press is one forty. It's like, oh, what's I mean, going on you here? Look how big you Mate, are, man! I've got these noodle arms. Yeah, yeah these noodle arms—they're too long. That's what I'm good at deadlifting. They just hang around my knees. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know what it is. It's just, um, yeah, I've, just, I've always loved doing the, the lower body stuff. My dad always says, that's the Mills jeans. We have strong legs. Look, man, so pull on the same, yeah. love squatting. Yeah. Not, not that we hate the lifting. It's
0: just it just doesn't feel natural for us. Right. And, you know, I pull conventional. I've tried to pull sumo because I've had some SI joint issues in the past and I tried to reduce shear on, on the joint and so I thought sumo more upright, you know. Yeah. No, I actually, um, actually uh, um, popped the joint. Sumo, all oh, right, and I meet in Brisbane. I flew to Brisbane. I bombed because on my first deadlift, the joint popped. Yeah, um, I couldn't walk. You know, as soon as your SI joint goes, man, yeah, it's painful. So then I completely scrapped the sumo idea, went back to conventional. And to be honest, I haven't had an issue since then because I've just worked on building a rock solid back. Yeah, um, and you know, our training, our coaching philosophy is quite simple it's technique above everything else. So Paul and I try and obviously apply that to our own training. So, you know. I think in that in in the right position, I'm very strong now compared to what I was maybe five or six years ago. So um, haven't had any issues around my SI jump, which is good. Every now and again, it feels a bit funny, yeah, but I haven't had an, any acute incidents that would render me absolutely useless, right? <laughs> which is good.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think um, my, my goal this year was I really wanted to hit that 300 deadlift. It's sort of a number that I would had in sight. For I remember you
0: you guys were talking about. Yes,
1: it. yeah, and it's it still we're doing a little strength quest videos, and I pulled a 270 about two weeks before states um i was hoping to go around that 280 maybe 285 mark at states but still have sort of six months of the year left to train yeah and then on my first warm-up set i did all my mobility warmed up felt good it felt good the first warm-up set on squat 75 kilos i keep in mind two weeks before i'd squatted 260 260 260, 265 i go down pop lower back just goes I'm like, you gotta be kidding me 70 kilos 75 it's outrageous. So that's I don't even outrageous. know what's going on. So, um, so yeah, it's been it a bit of a recovery from that. So, unfortunately, that's delayed sort of my, my deadlift plans for this year. It is still a goal. Well, my...
0: You just had a facet joint. Facet joint. Irritation, basically. Yeah, basically, facet joints jump. pop.
1: Yeah, it, it, it came good. And I was uh, training again, like starting to build back up. Everything was feeling fresh. And um, I sort of re-tweaked it again, doing just some speed some speed work. So I was just like, all right, just... Lower body's on hold for a minute. Mm-hmm. Get everything right. Um, I've been seeing a really good sports physio. He's giving me a lot of really good exercises that I thought I'd be fine at that. I just can't do. for, for How do really? you find the reverse hyper? I like the reverse hyper. I mean, especially for what, what you got. Yeah, I like the reverse it's hyper. Gets some blood through that lower back. It, traction the lower back. One hundred percent. I use the reverse hyper th- three times a week at least. You know, I, I use it after my That's squats, brutal. after my deadlifts, and again, it's not heavy weight. It's just that yeah. you know, repetitive, just um, tractioning um, movement, which I think is fantastic. Um, I think my weaknesses lie a bit, bit more like in the glutes and, st- and stability, you know, and that is yeah. my main, when I squat and deadlift, my knees, they buckle. When the weight gets heavy, they yeah. buckle. It's not like, like my yeah, body yeah. shape can hold form. With you. Yeah. So I've been, um, that's the main focus. I've just started introducing legs back in, um, even just simple, like walking lunges and my, my ass is on fire. That's so cool. I'm like, Keep I'm like, them. yeah, so th- that's, that's the goal. Longer rehab, um, and then longer prep, build on those weaknesses. And, mm-hmm. um, and then that 300 will come hopefully
0: what are you weighing you're 110
1: though, right oh uh, no no i mean i was 100? going to compete at 90 at states really was, what do you yeah, weighing now no i'm thick at the minute <laughs> <God damn. laughs> i went up to uh uh i let i let things blow out a little bit i went for about 108 my natural weight if i just am eating yeah. not like an idiot yeah, is sort of just, around 100 you know yeah okay um so so yeah the goal is to get a 300 at 100 kilos body weight yeah which yeah. is yeah I've, I've triple body i've weight. done that yeah cool yeah uh,
0: yeah look you know <laughs> triple body squat is nice yeah a deadlift, you want know? yeah. to do them in the same meat
1: 300 140 <laughs> yeah i want to get i want to get that i would love to get a 160 bare bones i would love to get a 180 long term i think you know four yeah. blues four blues each side pretty nice no, you're gonna do more benching we're gonna bench after this oh geez yeah we'll see we'll, we'll, we'll do something <laughs> yeah yeah no um definitely need to work on that but that's mm. no, good well, uh, bench is
0: obviously a tricky one because what we find with bench is it's a maturity lift yeah it takes time to develop you know so the more the longer you stay training The better your bench will be. Yeah. Because it is an unnatural movement for us. Right. You know, squatting and deadlifting, they're natural. They're natural for us. Yeah. Um, Whereas benching is, let's be real, when do we have to be in that position pressing that much weight? Right. Never. Never. So, unless you're a prop or something. Yeah. But even then, you're standing.
1: You're not. That's right. Here's the so, thing, I, I was a first grade prop for seven or eight years, 100, oh, 100, 116 first grade games. I still have still my can't bench press. Lift. I, would just just bench keep, lift, I was just press. basically squatting them backwards. The trunk, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Using all the, yeah, that's yeah. also works well. Yeah. Um,
0: so what we find, it's a maturity lift. It just takes a lot of time to develop.
1: Yeah. And also, it's a lift where
0: it sucks because, in a way, it's 20% of our total, yeah. but we have to have much higher frequency in training.
1: Right. We have to train it more yeah.
0: for a little return on our total. Right. It sucks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. What I started doing is just surround myself with monsters. Like we got Big Gavin here who's a 200-kilo um, yeah. bench presser. And, yeah, strong. And I just got to like um, – I just hang out with him and then those numbers become normal and then all my body That's would just right, – I'm yeah. willing it into existence, you know.
0: And you bring up a good point, man, and this is what we say about our gym. You know, when people come in and we say, you know, you walk into our gym and you breathe the air and you get stronger because you're training around people that are way beyond what you're currently doing and you feed off that. Right. And when you – you know – you can go on Instagram. I can scroll Instagram now and look at 200-kilo benches all day. It's way different when you see it in real life. Yeah. Um, and I think people miss that part. You know, there's lots of people now trying to train at home and stuff. I think they're doing themselves a misjustice because they're, they're kind of – they're losing the point of what powerlifting is, I think. Yeah. And it's working in teams and around people that are stronger than you and, and that camaraderie. Um, and people do
1: better in a team environment yep. than they do anywhere else. They always will do better with the support structure around. Yeah. So – Um, and, and and 100%, like if you're just training at home and I trained at home for years, um, I was working at a small PT studio and training from home and, and you do, you lose that, that sort of atmosphere. I mean, when, when big Gavin, cause he's, Wanting to get into equip lifting. And so we've had Nathan mm-hmm. Baxter here and mm-hmm. we have got some equipment and we teach him how to um, do equip. When he loads 270 um, on the bar, and, and when you have you know five red plates each side and it's you know it's scary. and I get nervous lifting out and you got side spots like that's exciting. Like that, yeah, that, that yeah, creates a buzz. And he couldn't do it by himself. No, no, you can't lift out like you that. Know.
0: No. Um, and, and so yeah, I, I do feel that, you know, and we hear this a lot, right? People will come into the gym, um, they'll sign up. You know, I've been training at home for two years or whatever. Training somewhere, and then after a year of training in our gym, they're like, I can't believe how much progress I've made just by bringing my training here. Yeah, you know because you see shit in real life. It makes you know when it becomes it becomes real when you see it. You know, um, and, and you know the same old saying, st- saying you know you're an average of the five people you spend around. It's kind of the same thing. You know, if you spend if you're in the gym with a hundred other lifters, you're going to be the average of all those people. You know, and if that if the average is high, guess what? It means that one day it bumps you know your um, your performance up because you know yeah, it's survival of the fittest, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's I guess that's one of the also the other reasons why we like having the team structured how it is, you know. Yeah. Um. Because people do better in groups. That's right. Like you said, the, once you've got a support structure in place, so mate, it's the same thing with personal training. You know, you, you like you, you know you speak to people the same as I do. You know. Um, I've been training by myself at JETS or whatever, pick your 24-7 chain. Um, You know, I pay my $10 a week but I haven't really seen any progress in 12 months. As soon as they come to you for your personal training or whatever they're going to do, what happens? That's right, big improvements. Because there's a support structure in place. Um, And accountability. Yeah, and that's part of that support structure, right, is that accountability. You know, someone sending you messages when you don't rock up for training, uh, making sure you're doing things correctly. It's a huge, it's a sh- and that's why coaching is important, even for an elite lifter. Like a lot of people, it's funny, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you see this. You probably do. I've seen it a lot. Is what we find is people who are getting into the sport. Beginners seem to think they don't need a coach, right? Yep. And I say to them, "Well, our elite lifters have coaches. So what makes you think, as a beginner, that you don't need ones? Because they don't really understand the concept yet of coaching. Um, and I always say, you go to the Olympic Games, right?" Every one of those Olympic athletes has a coach there with them. You know, you always see it, right? The track, someone does a 100-meter sprint, they pan the camera to the coach in the crowd, you know, something like that, yes. right? They all have coaches. What makes someone think that can't score 100 kilos, come in into a sport and not have a coach? To me, it makes no sense. Right.
1: They always do better when they've got coaching.
0: Yeah. You know, so having support, the support structure is really important.
1: I think we're, we're lucky here. We don't, haven't had that as much because people are coming here for one-on-one you know, coaching. So they, they've different. already come in. So you your model is
0: different. You have to have... Support. Right. Otherwise you don't train here. Yeah. Whereas people can come into our gym and just on a gym membership and not having any, um, any coaching or any support. Yeah. And what we find is those people don't last very long. Right. They walk around the, head like, uh, walk around the gym like headless chooks. You never see them make progress. They're always doing the same shit. Um, it's because they don't know what they're doing, you know. Uh, it's not just about having the membership or training at the gym. You need to have the support systems in place in order for you to make that progress, you know. Uh, that's a huge thing that we try and, uh, you know, Sell is probably not the best word, but it's something that we try and instill on people and promote, yeah, um, because that's a huge part of making progress. I mean, for everyone, you know, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure even with your training, even if you don't
1: directly have a coach, you might bump it off one or two other people. Well, I'm with, bumping stuff off people constantly, Do you know what I mean. I'm always um, talking to Nathan Baxter or Dan Macri you know, or just all sorts stuff of people. Like that. Yeah.
0: So, and I think that's important, even for me. You know, I probably could have done better if I had someone looking after my training uh, full time, but i normally just use my brother. You know, I'll just bump some stuff up here. Make sure I'm. I'll, I'm probably a little bit different from most people because I'm normally on the conservative side in, with my training in terms of like you know, you know, you give someone you're going to work up to a, a heavy single at nine. They'll go at nine. Yeah, right? they'll, they'll. Everything's on the line, right? Yeah. Whereas I'll take it to a technical at nine. You know. Right. Um. Not an absolute nine. Yeah. So I'm a little bit different from a lot of people because I'm happy to like. Work Just to a technical, a yeah. to work to a technical RPE. Um, whereas you know, you give that to someone else, and they're almost the knees are almost touching. You know, Right. Uh, you know what I mean. So yeah. they take it to an absolute at nine rather than looking at the technical. So I've been sort of that's been good for my own training because it means that I've been able to maintain good quality um, and still make progress. Um, but yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. It does. Yeah, yeah everyone's no, think... different there, man. Like, most people go to an absolute nine. We'll take it to an absolute number um, rather than you know trying to work in the technical nature of their lifting with the numbers they're choosing. Yes, yeah.
1: You know? I see that quite quite regularly as well when he's saying, um, you know, I want two reps left in the tank here, two in reserve, and um, they'll send me a video like, "Yep, yeah, really really solid. I'm like, you couldn't have got an extra rep there. He's like, oh, I think I could. I don't think you could. Yeah. Oh, that's you look at me go, bro, okay,
0: you could have got two left, but. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you're way beyond your technical, limit, right. you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the problem with our... One of the problems that you had to have with RPE, yeah, it's great for order regulation and stuff, but it's really for people who understand how to use it properly, right?
1: Yeah, you know, like everything, there's a learning curve. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, talking of Ruchi's gym version four, is that your is that your end game? Do you have more plans? Do you want to ever expand on that? I mean, you I think you were saying before they started thirteen hundred square meters. Um, the gym. This gym's thirteen fifty. Thirteen
0: fifty. So the actual gym floor is a uh, thousand. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. And then all the admin areas make up about 350. yeah so I think it's thousand and fifty the actual gym floor itself, right um, look, man to be honest, the gym we're in now is it's big. We don't really need a bigger gym. The only reason we would move is if the landlord didn't want to renew our lease or we wanted to buy a building and he didn't want to sell it to us. That's honestly the only reason we would probably move. yeah uh, in terms of the building itself, there's not much more we need, you know so do I see us us moving from here? In the future, maybe, but it would have to be under very special circumstances. Sure, uh, It's not like I needed a bigger building. Right. I've got everything I
1: need. Yeah. You know, we, we've got everything we need. So I mean, You just rattle off for people listening that haven't been to Ruchis. I mean, set, you said set, seven monoliths at the moment?
0: Yeah, there's, so six in the warm period and then there's one on the platform. So there's right. seven. Yeah. So there's there's a plethora of equipment. There's oh, no, yeah. There's no shortage of equipment. Um, so, yeah, we're very happy. With the building's nice. It's new. It's what we wanted. Um, the structure's perfect. Yeah. Um, Look, to be honest, at, well, we're 43 this year. Um, the only thing I would see eventually one day is us probably downscaling it, not getting bigger. Um, and that's just because, man, I don't want to be 50 and running some huge gym um, unless I had people running it for me, you know what I mean? So it kind of gets to the point in life where you've been doing something for a long time and you've got to get to the point where it's like, well, what am I really doing here? You know, I love the sport but that doesn't mean I have to run a huge gym. I can still be involved in the sport and not – have my whole life um, encapsulated by it, right? Right. Um, To be honest, I really like your model, um, the model of it's essentially a private facility. Yeah. In order to train here, you have to be coached by us. You have to do at least one PTS session a week. We do all your programming. Um, That's definitely a model that Paul and I would consider. Yeah. Uh, That would be far into the future Um, because you can have a smaller gym. Yeah. You can – and and you can – you can, it's, you can work with everyone rather than having a gym that's just an open gym. Um, it's just a bit of a different vibe. Yeah. You know. Um, look, in saying that, we still run powerlifting. So, in, if we were to downscale, it probably would mean we wouldn't run powerlifting anymore. Um, but don't no get the wrong idea. I'm not saying that we're doing that. I'm just yeah. saying in the future, like I when I'm 50, I don't know what I'm going to what I'm going to want. Right. Um, I do know that as you get older, you know, things change, priorities change. I've got a daughter now. I want to spend more time with her. I want to, sp- you know, essentially I want more freedom in my life, right? Um, because I think as you get older and you realise that, you know, time is the only real commodity we have, right? So you want to spend it wisely doing things that you want to do. So it's not saying I don't want to do powerlifting. I do. But I don't want to do 100 hours a week of it. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? So yeah, yeah. I'm happy to do my 40 hours like everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and man, that you know, and we've brought on some really good staff over the last um, eighteen months who have helped Paul and I um, take a bit more time off um, and sort of thin the thin out the workload that we had because it was just it was ridiculous. Um, and it gets to a point where you know if you do something too full on for too long, you start to resent it. Uh, you start to not enjoy it anymore. Burnout's a real thing, right? Yeah, Burnout, so. right? And that's certainly not where we want to be because we do want our gym to um, to be long term. Um, and, and so in order for that to happen, it means that Paul and I need to really work on getting the, the right balance in our own lives. Yeah. Um, and we've we've kind of got that now. Um, there's still a little bit more work to do, but it's definitely something that's – like two years ago, it was very difficult for me to go away for a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now it's a lot easier. So there are things that have evolved in the last couple of years that have made things a lot nicer for Paul and I that we can have a bit more time off and stuff like that, which is good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah.
1: Now. You wear a lot of different hats when it comes to, to owning Roochies, right? So like you, you compete sometimes, you run the big comps, um, you're coaching, right? You run seminars. Which, what do you prefer? Like, what 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 do you have a favorite? Do you know what I mean? Like oh, when I was a younger, yeah, used to love love competing, love playing rugby, love going into strongman. Oh, comps. Don't get me wrong, I would love to be a full time power lifter. Right, but I don't pay my bills. Right, <laughs> like. but if it did pay your bills, would you rather just just oh, just man. compete all year, or do you do you like coaching more? Or do you like just Sitting back and, 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 and running everything?
0: Yeah. Look, man, I've always – yeah, it's a good question. Obviously, I love competing. Um, not that I've been able to compete properly in, since 2017, since my last meet. When I, when I put up my best performance, I've been you know, riddled with injuries and all sorts of shit. Yeah, I've competed a few times but just to get on there and have a bit of, bit of a go, you know, go 600 or something, you know, just fun stuff. Um, competing in powerlifting aside, like the actual – for myself. Um, look, I, I, I really enjoy working with people. You know, so I I do feel that as we have grown, you know the more there's more people that want to work with us, so it becomes increasingly more difficult to do that because I can't work. i have only got twenty four hours in a day, and I, I you know it's just impossible. So I, I think the I thing I get enjoyment out of Mercy are things where I can touch more people. You know the courses are great because yeah. you know we can work with twenty people in a weekend, um, and help way more people than I can in a one on one scenario. In saying that, one-on-one scenarios are great because you get a bit more granular with people, you build better relationships. So I kind of like the both for different reasons. I certainly don't want to be doing 25 hours of one-on-ones a week because that I would get burnt out, you know. Um, I'm also a qualified remedial massage therapist. So at one point, um, you know, I think in V2, going back four or five years, I was, you know, on top of everything else I had going on, I was probably doing around 20 hours of massage a week, Um I started to get a little bit burnt out and so I had to re- severely reduce those numbers. Um, at the moment, like I do, I'm just doing some stuff from home. I do one or two a week, you know, it's just for a bit of extra cash in the pocket, a um, bit of fun money. Um, so I don't really do a lot of remedial. In saying that, obviously my remedial skills are great and my knowledge is great because I'm able to apply that to coaching um, and educating. So that's really good. Um, it's a good question, man. I, to be honest, I, I enjoy running comps. I don't enjoy it always tying up all my weekends all the time, but I love it, you know. Um, So that's really a tough question. I I must say I do enjoy things where um, I'm able to serve more people. Right. Yeah. That's probably I get the enjoyment out the most, yeah. Yeah, okay. Comps would probably probably be that thing because while I'm not perhaps all the time involved with each lifter individually, um, you know, we're we're able to put on – an event that enables them to do what they love doing and I think that's that's an important thing. Nice. It's a community thing, right? You know, um, and I think powerlifting plays a, a role in the community because it keeps people doing things, other things outside of powerlifting that perhaps wouldn't be good, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, we have so many people come and talk to us that, you know, powerlifting has saved their lives, you know, depression, anxiety, you know. It actually has helped um, literally save people's lives and I've had people tell me that. So… That's probably the most important part about uh, my job, Yeah, I guess. But well, yeah, I wear many hats, you know, delegate, coach, educator, gym owner, you know, the list goes on, you know. So sometimes it's hard to manage all those different hats. And it's, it's funny because, you know, when I talk to different people, I've got to put a different hat on yeah. depending on who I'm talking to and, and, and also the circumstance, right? Because yeah. I could be talking to the same person in a different circumstance, but I've got to wear a different hat. Um, so, you know, I might be talking to one of the listeners I coach, you know, and having that. That relate and then I've got to, you know, on the other flip side, I've got to talk to him of a GBC delegate, um, about whatever about refereeing or whatever it might be about something. And you know, it's a, and sometimes you can get <laughs> it gets a bit sticky sometimes, you yeah. know. Um, but you know, I do the best I can. I enjoy the the, the many hats, um, keeps me on my toes. I'm certainly not someone you know, like, like, I don't want to get too bored, you know, so I like having different things that keep me. Um, occupied and kept me on my toes. I do like giving back to the sport, so being involved in the GPC at a high level as well um, is something that I'm passionate about because I do think that powerlifting, while it seems like it's come a long way, it really hasn't and needs to go a lot further. Yeah, um, We do have lots more numbers in, in the sport, which is fantastic, but in terms from a governance perspective, even in terms of federations in the country and sort of how that's run, we have so much to learn as a sport um, from other sports that are doing quite well. And I think, you know, from simple things like sponsorship, how do we? How do we get more money into the sport um, so that we can do better? Right. We can give, you know, and we can even give back to the lifters more. Yes. Stuff like that. Because let's be real, no one's getting paid. Right. Even our elite lifters, there's nothing in it for them. You know, they might get a supplement store giving them hundred bucks worth of um, supplements a month, and that's about it. Yeah. There's not really anything huge. Um, you know, there are some good sponsorships out there, but they're not making a living out of it. No. Um, look, at strongman, it's crazy. You know. Um, you know, so there's definitely a lot of things that we can do in powerlifting to improve, and, uh, and you know, the projection of I guess where powerlifting is going, um, and that's really what I'm passionate about the most is trying to help the sport grow from that perspective. So, and I think over the next couple of years, I'm probably going to spend a lot more time on that, yeah, um, because that's going to help improve the sport locally here as well. So, and I think in order for the sport to grow, those things need to happen.
1: So, and and that's interesting as well. And we touched a little bit about this before we started the podcast. Um, how how does the sport grow? <laughs> Without, you know it's definitely on too many people's toes. How does how does the sport grow and how do you see it growing? When we have so many different federations, even yeah. just in Australia, like we're talking about what five in Australia? Just oh, in Australia? Look, let's just talk about WA. <laughs> just in we, WA, when
0: we start talking about Australia, that you know yeah, there's like seven or eight, right. maybe nine. Um, so here locally, non-drug tests, we have the GPC, um, we have Capo, so that's um, basically um, GPA yeah. WPC. Um, and we have, say, our drug tested, we have the APU, which is the IPF affiliate. We have PA, which I don't know what's going to happen with PA now. I mean, after it this, used to be the IPA. After aff- this IPF affiliate, debacle, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, no. but PA, which is our World Powerlifting affiliate, um, and then we also have the APL. Right. Um, so, which, so we have three, literally three drug tested federations here in WA um, and two non-drug tested. Um, and there could be a couple of others, but like these are right, the biggest they're, the, ones, they're the main five. You know, now look when you think about it, WA is not a big community of lifters. No, when you're talking about five federations that thin the competition base, um, it seems a bit ridiculous. You know, uh, in saying that, I do believe that the lifters uh, are the ones that are responsible for propping up the feds. And what the lifters should do is they should lift the competitions that one are the best, and two. Um, provide the best competition, you know. So – and that's why our – you know, if we were to look at numbers maybe in in Perth, I would say probably our meets, we probably have easy 80 to 90% of the starts and that's simply because, you know, we've been doing it a long time, we've evolved, the competitions are of a high, high standard, there's good competition, they run well. It's great production value too. You know what I mean? So – and I think lifters want to lift at our meets for those reasons Uh, um, and so those other feds – typically don't get a lot of lifters because, um, you know, they're just not as glamorous, so to speak, you know. Um, You know, they're still going to have a following because there's loyalty. You know, Henry's got a a group of people who are loyal to him, which is great. Because loyalty is actually a great thing because without loyalty, you know, it's hard to grow stuff, yeah. you know. You need to have fanatics and, and it's a good thing, you know. And even with the APU and, and PA, that there's fanatics that, that are in those federations that will not leave that. There's people that would rather not do any powerlifting if that federation did not exist, you know. Right. So, yeah. obviously, it's a very small proponent but there are people like that, which is cool, you know. I'm, 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 I'm okay with that. Um, the, how the sport grows is, oh man, you know. I think… Sure, we might we, – we can continue having all these federations but I think all the gym owners and everyone needs to, um, you know, can just continue working, building the base, building the grassroots and providing people with a great experience. And I think if we can continue doing that um, and and then we let the lifters choose where they want to lift, um, and I, you know, I think we're on, on a good projection from that point of view. I, I think that, you know, do I think we need all these federations? Like we I think we can all agree that we don't. Right. Um, but, you know, it, it's like anything, man. There's politics and there's – Without going into shit, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so and I think the lifters are the ones that have to make the decision.
1: They're voting with their membership. They vote, vote. with their feet, right? Yeah. So
0: if you if the lifters were just to vote with their feet, um, what you'll find is that the federations that, are dwind- that dwindle away will eventually won't exist anymore. Um, and I think, you know, that's, you know, where it needs to go. Lifters need to start voting with their feet more. Um, unfortunately, in powerlifting, you know, you've got this participation mentality. Like everyone wants a gold medal so or a record um and i'm
1: huge on this and some people maybe not don't agree with me i hate all the record books this is what the main the main problem is you know uh, i'm going to go for a national record that's freaking awesome which like which federation federation. because you've got you know geez you can get like you're saying (sighs) records in five different federations it's kind of like it's it's crazy right i I don't
0: hate the record books i just I, i i dislike the way they are used yeah you know um Every Federation has their own record books. Um, even in the GPC, some of the empty records, we don't have standards. Right. So someone can just go in and put up some real mediocre lift and all of a sudden record. Um, I know that the APL has standards. Um, yeah, IPF has standards as They have well, standard, yep. baseline standards. Yep. Um, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. And I, I did some… Um, ...some analysis of some data in 2018 of comps on... or ...I basically got the data from Open Powerlifting... ...because they actually put out something on um, gold medals in meets or something. I can't remember what it was. Um, and it was like... ...it basically showed that it was harder to not win a gold medal... ...than it was to win a gold medal. Yeah, because right. like, you know, all the weight classes... ...there's like one or two people in each weight class... ...it's gold medal city, right? And... Um, and so I did some comparisons to the comps that we run, and you know it was it was kind of similar, but it was way less. It was it wasn't as easy to win a gold medal because you know our comps, them, all could be eight in a weight class or ten in a weight class. So um, there's more competition. Unfortunately, there's some people that don't like that, and they would rather compete in another event where there's no competition, but they can get their gold medal or, they, or get on the podium. Right. See, for me, that's completely backwards thinking. I would personally rather go up in an event with ten other guys that are going to completely annihilate me. Um, then go into a comp where I'm guaranteed to get a on no one's here. competing. Yeah, cool. I got a bronze medal, totaling um, 700 at 100, and then you go to this other comp, and the the podium was like 800 plus. I mean, it's to me, it's a bit naff. Um, that's the only problem I see with powerlifting, and some people will definitely disagree with me here, which is cool. I'm okay with that, but I, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's like you know, when you have nationals. Um, you know, and you see this all the time. Someone will put up on their Facebook, "Oh, I'm the 82 and a half kilo national champion." Okay, bro, um, which Fed? And then, okay, so you totaled. This is an example. I don't know. I'm I'm not talking about anyone specific, but you yeah. see this type of thing. You totaled 682 and a half, and then you look at another federation, and their 82 and a half kilo national champion totaled 750. Are you really the national champion? Right. You know what I mean? like. So, so that's the, one of the biggest problems we have. Yeah. Is that going to change? No, that's not going to change. And that's something that I myself have to have come to terms with because it's something that I've just been like <laughs> – I because I don't understand personally, right? Um, that's just how I feel about it. It's something that we're not going to change unless we get rid of all the federations and that's probably not going to happen. Unless the lifters start voting with the feet, and and then then the feds that aren't doing as well, um, they just start to they start to dissolve. Because what's the point, right? You know, it's very difficult, Nev. You know, it's easy for me to sit here on my high horse. I run all the biggest comps, and people are going to say that it's easy for Dan to talk because, like, you know, I even heard someone say that we have a monopoly on powerlifting in WA. You know, I don't completely agree with that, but is that my fault? It's not really my fault. You know, if I if Paul and I have grown our gym to the point it is where we run the biggest and best meets, it is what it is. Like it wasn't luck. You know, we just worked hard. Um, do I have a monopoly on powerlifting? No, because there's other federations and there's other people that do powerlifting. That's right. It's not a monopoly. Um, you know, do we have a, I don't know, a huge point of difference? Sure. Um, that's the way the world works, you know. Um, it's like anything. But um, it, this is a very touchy subject, man. <laughs> yeah, there's probably people who going to watch this and be cringing and shit. But like. And I'm happy to talk about it. I'll yeah. talk about it with anyone.
1: You I just know? I, I, I like the the fact that um and I would said before that you know International Weightlifting Federation one federation yeah. governs all the weightlifting bodies. You know that's it's easy. There's one set of records. So we There's spoke one about standard. Before. There's one rule set. Yeah. Um, equipment is the same everywhere. So like you go to GPC, raw is knee wraps and a belt for squat. You go to yeah. Um, I'm not sure what a, uh, APL is, but you know APU well, and PA knee wraps is equipped right? Well to belt in APL
0: own. there's different divisions, so you can have a classic division or a rap division? There's actually different oh, record right. books. It's crazy. So. Now, look, going back to the, the IWF thing, weightlifting is the Olympic game. So naturally, everyone, that's everyone's um, long-term goal. That's the end game, right? So yeah. we don't have all these splinter federations because there is. Sorry, yeah, that, that's, 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 that's the federation. There. In powerlifting, we don't have the Olympic games. And like I said to you, Nev, I think that's actually a good thing for powerlifting. Um for various reasons um, but that's why we have all these splinter feds right someone doesn't like that person doesn't like that rule I'm going to do my own federation I reckon I could do a better job you know they copy and paste the, the IPF rule book they make some changes and off they go federation um, that's basically what happens in powerlifting you know we've yep. seen it happen here locally in Australia you know that's how GPC pretty much started you know so it's just one of those things man I don't personally have the answer um, I don't think there's one person that does because I think we're all going to have our own bias, yeah. um, which is completely understandable because, we, you know, we've all got vested interests in different federations,
1: mm. right? Um, you know,
0: it's man.
1: Well, I know the, the end goal for IPF is to try to get a powerlifting into the Olympics. And I know they've been included now into world games in 2022. It was going to be this year. They pushed it back one year because of all the COVID. Yeah. Um, so their goal is to try to get it into the Olympics. Why do you think that would be a bad thing? If, if, you know, IPF well, becomes sort of the drug-tested federation that's in the Olympics. And just sort of the way they works.
0: structure those organisations is not going to help the small business owner where the where grassroots sport is done. Let's look at weightlifting. Let's be real. How much weightlifting actually happens now? It's tiny. Yeah. There's hardly any weightlifting. There's way more powerlifting. One of the reasons is, one, the barrier to entry is a lot lower for powerlifting. It's easier for someone to squat bench and than it is for them to do a clean and jerk and a snatch, right? Yep. Um Put that aside, what's great about powerlifting in the federations is they help keep the money at the gym level and that allows gyms to grow and prosper, build bigger facilities, provide more better competitions, bring down the barrier to entry, make it form more family friendly, better productions um, and I think that's really important whereas when you get into the IWF scenario and those scenarios where you have that sort of projection into the Olympic Games, those organisations they don't allow, from my experience, they don't allow the gym owner to basically make any money, so the gym owner can't grow. So they expect you to run a meet and spend all your day in prepa- preparing and planning and running a meet. And, you know, and volunteers everywhere, in or, and, yeah. and, and not and make four hundred bucks. It, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and that's what's been great about the GPC and even Capo and some other federations, um, sort of outside that model, that have they've allowed the gym owner to keep the entry fee, and that's really important because that um, incentivizes the gym owner to do better. You know, if I get 20 lifters paying $50 each, that's $1,000. Cool, I can use that $1,000 to buy another bar. Awesome. I've added another piece of equipment to the arsenal, which is great for, one, the gym. It's great for the sport because in the warm period, I've got another deadlift bar. That's a very simple example. Yeah. You know, if I get 50 people paying $50, that's two and a half grand. Cool. If I do two comps of that, I can buy another bench or a mono. And you can build the arsenal. You can actually build your gym up so that the comps become better and better. And that's essentially what we've done. Um it's not, it, it's not a secret. We haven't won a lot or something. Like that's essentially what we've done at our gym. Um, it just takes time. It's taken us 10 years to get to where we are, right? So – and the problem is when you go to the other model, they keep the money at the top um, and they don't really allow for that same kind of grassroots growth at the gym level. Um, and we've seen this firsthand with PA because PA did the same thing. Um, and look what happened to all the PA gyms in Perth. They're all gone, you know. Um, because And I feel sorry for them because if I think if PA had, left, had kept the money at the gym level, some of those gyms would still be remaining and PA would still be um – running quite a decent federation, you know. So unfortunately that's not the way they run, which is one of the reasons why Paul and I didn't get involved because it's, uns- it's unsustainable.
1: Yeah, It's really not sustainable, um, you know. So it's been interesting to see federations like that, which were big, get smaller and smaller and smaller and GPCs just sort of take over. There's good reasons then. for that. That's yeah. one of
0: them is because they keep the money at the top, right? Um, you know, and, that, and you can't have that. You can't have all your minions doing all your work and then you keep all the money because then the minions have nothing to feed on. You can't grow You can't grow your gym. You can't buy more equipment. You know, oh, shit, I've only got one mono. I'd really like another one, but then I'm going to have to pay for it. Like, why should I pay for the mono? You know, you get into this it, – it's a very difficult situation. I think going into the Olympic Games, let's be real, the first thing is you've got the drug problem. Yeah. There's no hell – no way in hell that the Olympic Games is going to put powerlifting in the Olympic Games. Right. I just, I just can't see it. They already want to get rid of weightlifting, right, because of the drug problem. And powerlifting is way worse than weightlifting. Not to mention, even if they did put powerlifting into Olympic Games, it would be single-ply equipped. Right. It's not going to be classic raw anyway. Yeah. And let's be real, most lifters, especially in Australia, in fact probably around the world, most lift classic raw with a knee wrap. Do you think equipment. they would
1: do the um, equipped just as a point of difference to weightlifting? Real powerlifting is in equipment. Right, I guess yeah. So okay. If you go originally yeah. back, for for people that like powerlifting now, it all started off basically it was all equipped, so right? A and, history then, on powerlifting. and then raw. Classic raw over. was
0: only introduced in twenty ten in the IPF, so yeah. that would be in knee sleeves. Before that you had to be in equipment. We well, didn't have to be, but you would because obviously you put up your best total. Yeah. Um, and in fact if you go back to sort of early twenty you know, twenty ten to twenty fifteen, that period, people in the in people who were involved in powerlifting, say in uh, in the US, they would consider classic raw CrossFit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's only now where classic raw and raw knee wraps is starting to become a thing, right? Um, if they got the sport into the Olympic Games, it would be single ply, single player equipped RPF. Yeah, it's not going to be classic raw. Okay.
1: Well, I don't think so anyway. Yeah, I guess the people, the number of people so doing two hundred just it's, so small. It's null anyway.
0: Yeah, because like most people, let's be real, are not going to lift. Your mum and dad lifters aren't going to lift single ply equipped. No, there's no chance. So, what's the point, right? Yeah. I mean, even I'm not going to do it. I mean, I don't want to. Like, I just don't have. Not that I don't have the interest. It just takes a lot of time. It takes so much time to, to learn
1: to learn everything. It's just like a whole a whole new. It's time. World opens up to you, you know, when you. Um,
0: yeah. It's time. Yeah. You know. Um, and the re- one of the reasons why powerlifting has grown in the last ten years is when classic roll was introduced in 2010. It brought down the barrier to entry so much because no longer did we have to have equipment. Right. So you could literally. I think my first combo was bare knees. Yeah. No, nothing. I didn't even have a belt, no belt, no nothing on my knees, no wrist wrap, just completely raw. Yeah. Um, you know, so when the barrier to entry comes down like that in a sport, it allows a lot more people to come in and, and um, make numbers up. Fair enough. If you go classic, if you go um, single ply equipped, forget it. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's still a huge contingent of single ply equipped lifters, um, but. The reality is most people come through Classic Raw and and, a lot of them are mum and dad lifters. You know, the amateur people, they just want to have a good time and have a lift and they're not interested in putting on equipment.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I wouldn't put them in equipment most of them because they're not strong enough anyway. Yeah, to handle it. You know, you have to have an element of strength and more importantly a skill base in order to use equipment and
1: so like it takes time. Absolutely. You know? Perfect. Well, I guess we can finish off just if there's anyone that's watching that's sitting on the fence about if they should get involved in powerlifting or what would your words of advice be to them?
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Look, I found powerlifting um, just through training um, and obviously if you've been watching, you've sort of learned a little bit about that. My piece of advice would be to just have take, take your time, be patient, play the long game. If you're in this for you – know, if you think that in one year you're going to be breaking records or you're going to be the world champion, do not bother because no one's waiting around for you. Have patience, really master the lifts, um, get technical, understand training, understand how to train and then find people in the sport of powerlifting, I might know a couple, um, who can help you because at the end of the day, you know, no one does not learn and um, in order to get somewhere, you're going to need the help of professionals who understand the sport and how to get people from point A to point B. Um, patience is probably the biggest thing I would – biggest piece of advice I would give someone.
1: Yeah. Perfect. What about you, Nev? What
0: would you say to someone?
1: <sighs> first of all, my word of advice would be do it. Go do a novice comp, just jump in, have a crack. Because once you start, you're, you're going to be hooked. Yeah, right? so 100%. That's the first word of advice. And the second thing is, is pairing what you're saying. is basically the key to, to having big lifts and, and doing well in powerlifting is to, to, to work hard consistently for a long period of time. So yep. it's just exactly. be regular, be consistent, Put the effort in and just keep coming back, so and, and everything will go the right direction for no, you.
0: now what you said, Nev, like, if you hesitate, you won't do it. Just do yeah. it. Make a commitment to yourself. Do a novice comp because at the end of the day, you've got nothing to lose. You're going to be stepping onto the platform with other people that are exactly the same as you, have the same um, inhibitions as you. You know, they're going to be nervous, the same as you. So there's safety in numbers. You know, so you can check out our novice comps. We make it quite simple to enter. They're nice and fun. They're friendly. Um, And I guarantee you have a good time. Awesome. Anyway, thanks very much for coming on today. Really appreciate appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Let's go to a bench session. All right, let's do it. (laughs) See ya. Thanks, man.